started recording, but uh, I'm very, very much over this whole lockdown stuff. I'm just ready for like the gathering. Um, phase two opened here on Monday, so I can like get this cut. Nice. Get my hair did and go to a restaurant and eat outside so i've been i've been to a restaurant like three or four times now like indoors uh, i've been indoors like, like two or three times i've been outside two or three times how are they doing it like do you have to wear your mask or do you just have to sit like every other booth or whatever it's like every other booth um pretty much just like half the tables are gone Cause like they went in and like just like took out every other table. So that makes sense. Um, Dang. And then like Sorry. a lot of places, yeah, and a lot of places have like limited menu mm. because less menu items means less food costs because they can't have as many people. So. Did you hear that? Yep, I did. <laughs> Fourth of July every night. Where are you at right now? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. It's, uh, um, a new background yeah. that I haven't seen before. So. Oh, you haven't seen this one? No. This is where I sit for work. Oh, nice. Um, work? Crazy busy. Do they have a? Yeah, you could say that. I have one question before I go into work. Do you have like cocktail to go culture? Minneapolis. Um, right like, can you go up to a restaurant and, like, get a cocktail to go and leave? Not that I've seen. They do, like, cocktail kits. So you can, like, buy, like, all the ingredients for, like, a Moscow Mule or a Bloody Mary or something like that. But I haven't seen the, like, walk up, like, grab a cocktail in a plastic cup with a straw. Yeah, that's, like, what we're doing right now. And it's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um... Is, so, have you gone to like Central Park or anything? Yes, quite a few times. People kind of just like, if they're walking around, they'll wear their mask. If they're just like chilling in like one spot and meeting up with friends, like everyone kind of just like gathers six feet away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's honestly no big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to, I'll probably go back to my apartment later this weekend and then stay for a few days before the 4th of July and then make my way back here for another little stint. You guys but do anything for the 4th? I don't, we, we don't know yet. Like, we're trying to figure out, like, what's going to really be, like, open and what are people doing? Like, yeah. a lot of my friends are, like, leaving and they, like, got, like, Airbnbs or something. And I think we might, like, maybe, like, go to the beach or something. I don't know. Keep it chill. Yeah, low-key. beach isn't too far from David's place, so get out and go. Nice. Um, you know what's been consuming some of my time recently? Uh, TikTok. Oh, boy. I know, but I will tell you one reason why we benefited from TikTok today is our entire dinner and dessert we found the recipes for on TikTok. That's so we wild. made um, like basically like a Crunchwrap Supreme for at home, like with like a large flour tortilla, cheese, lettuce, tomato, 
like um, a tostada and then like refried beans, ground turkey, sour cream, another tostada, and then wrapped it all up and then grilled it on both sides. Dude, it was, was awesome. Great. Yeah, 100%, time on time, we do it again. And then we made cookies from like a bakery in on the Upper West Side. They, someone had made a, found a recipe that was similar to what they make at the bakery. So we made those and uh, yeah, thank you TikTok for keeping my culinary life exciting. Uh, Other than that, thank you TikTok, you mean thank you Chinese government. <laughs> thank you Bite Dance. Yeah, Bite Dance. I think that's the company that works. Um, Correct. Also, speaking of weird things that I've been um, surfing on the internet, I was browsing through Snapchat, which was kind of flashbacks. And you know how you can do like those like subscriptions like on the video page? Yeah. Okay, so this one, one subscription was called Good Mythical Morning and they do like random stuff but they like recreated snacks in the modern world, but like what they would look like in a secondary dimension or like in a parallel universe. Okay. So instead of wheat thins, they had wheat fix, <laughs> double C, and you, they opened up the box and slid out a wheat thin the entire size of the box. Oh, it was God. like a loaf of a wheat thin, it was insane. And, like, the cool part was they actually, like, made the items. So, like, it wasn't just, like, oh, what if? It was, like, they actually, like, made the things. So they, like, sampled it, and it was, like, hilarious. So you had they had to go back and forth between snack offension or delicious dimension. And it was split. Like, one guy really liked it. One guy didn't. Then yeah. they did, instead of a Slim Jim, they did a Slurp Janet. And it's literally the inside. It's so disgusting. Inside, it's a pouch. Like, think of like... Like, well, like, like an this. applesauce squeezer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just the middle of a Slim Jim. So disgusting. One guy loved it. One guy hated it. Yeah. So the other one that they did was Chips Ahoy. And like, oh, we got some sailor-themed cookies. Like, well, in a parallel world, they're called Chips Yeehaw, and they're a buffalo sauce cookie <laughs> with baked beans on it. And it looked like that this. Is disgusting. And they're like, it's so spicy, but like, whatever. That's so gross. The fourth one is hilarious, and they both loved it. Instead of Sour Patch Kids, it was Sour Patches for Kids. And it literally looked like nicotine patches. <laughs> And you got like a sugar like rush from them, but they were hot dog flavored mac and cheese and ham sandwich flavored, and they were also sour. And they both loved them, like soury, sour then savory, and it, they looked horrible. They looked like the cheese and the ham slices from a Lunchable that you would like slap onto your skin. Like, and they literally had it. They like unwrapped it and they slapped on their skin. And they just like ate it off their arm. Oh it was horrible to watch. That's horrifying. But the, the, the 
the only thing I could really appreciate from it was the commitment to actually producing the pieces. Actually making it, yeah. It was so funny. I don't know. That was like a fun piece of content. That's a good job, Snapchat. Yeah, that's not something you hear very often. Um, no, but it was hilarious. It was like sour patches for kids. Ah, so good. I feel like I haven't. uh, Feel like I haven't done anything or like. I feel like I'm not even watching new shows or anything. Like, uh, I'm just like, I work, I play golf, and that's pretty much all I've done for the last two weeks. Oh, man. Taking that week off last week was such a brilliant thing. Like, it's just nice. stepping away from a, res- a reoccurring spot- responsibility. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like I actually started um, White Fragility today. Um, yeah, one of those popular titles that are going around and I'm in a book club to discuss like topics on race and things like that um, Black Lives Matter and everything and uh, I I don't know so far like I'm doing it on Audible because I haven't um, I couldn't find like the actual book in print Yeah. so I'm um, I haven't done an audiobook in like a really long time, probably since like my parents and I driving to Texas in our suburban listening to Harry Potter and the Order <laughs> of the Phoenix. <laughs> but honestly, I'm like, it'll be good. It'll be nice to kind of like take some time. Like there's some things throughout the day that I use. I take time to like decompress and it'll be nice to kind of like just move my attention to that instead of work and like taking a break and like listening to the book while trying to give it attention or like going before bed and stuff like that but yeah i feel like i feel like audiobooks are essentially like podcasts now they are they totally are i mean i feel like audiobooks were like the genesis of podcasts yeah yeah i today i went there's a there's a podcast i listen to that is there's been like four episodes total um and they're like very sporadically release them they're like once every month or two months or six weeks or whatever they just release them whenever they want to uh and so i just on during lunch today i just uh walked and got a extra large coffee and listened to a podcast and sat in the park amazing (laughs) like all right this is what i'm doing so it's uh now i got i hear dogs i hear fireworks it's I know. Active in Brooklyn today. Brooklyn is waking up. It's 8.30 p.m. I tell you, you know, there's nothing. um, One night we were sleeping and woke up to fire engines because the building next door was on fire. You have that. You have, and it's actually crazy because you like, David like lives like far from the train so it feels more like suburbia so it's like yeah fireworks and the dogs like people have like little bit backyards out here so it's like okay. there's just like more things like that that happen this far out that you just right. don't necessarily get where I live in Midtown so I mean there are dogs there but they're not chilling in a backyard like this yeah they're not yeah they're apartment dogs right um, Yorkies because you 
what you got another year on your lease, right? Yep. I'm like that. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I'm still, uh, still plotting to figure out what the hell I'm going to do come September. <laughs> I'm stoked for you. You're going to see, I've, uh, I've, I've gauged a little bit of interest in people who might want to do like a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there. So trying to piece together some, some people, some places, some things. Dude, now Yeah. I, um, well, once I know for sure that I'm not going back in 2020, maybe I'll join you for like a little like week in the mountains or something. That's like, I think the Colorado one is the one that I really want to plan the most. I think it'd be dope just to get a house in Colorado. And then yeah. just like every week, like different people can come hang out in the mountains. Like so find good. like a ski and ski out little cottage in the mountains. I can. It'd be dope. And then maybe just like, I was thinking maybe January in Arizona <clears throat> and just hang out in the desert and not worry about winter. <laughs> I mean, it's so cold in the desert, but not as cold as Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, cold in the desert is like at night, it gets down to like 40 degrees. This is true. And so not broad daylight, negative 40, like in Minnesota. Fair, fair, so. fair, fair. Um, I totally agree. I think it's going to open up some opportunities. Um, was work crazy for you this week? Uh, work is getting pretty crazy. Yeah. So we like the whole, everything with lockdown and everything kind of came like at a really bad time for us. Um, we're a super, super new company. There's literally the founder of the company and me, and then we have an intern. And so we've been around for, less Damn. than less than two years around like 18 months almost two years um but we had planned to kind of not do a lot of client work and stuff in april and we were going to focus on our site and our like um sales materials and kind of positioning our brand and things like that because we were running uh education programs so like we do a boot camp for um, in career professionals or people who are looking to like change careers. So we're focusing on like, how are we going to tweak that, uh, building our website. And then, so we had pushed out some of our sales pipeline from April and then everything shut down. So we had, <clears throat> we had a couple of weeks where we were really, really light on work and didn't have a ton of work. Um, and we were like, you know, like, we'll, Hopefully everything rebounds. Everything doesn't rebound. Like, well, we're good until August or whatever it was. And then we figured out from there, but uh, things picked up a lot and we just started a new project this week that um, I can tell you more about off air. I like can't talk about it on, on, <laughs> on the public, but um, it's super cool. It's a really cool project with, uh, people who used to work at some really well-known companies like maybe maybe the iphone you're using was a place where one of these people used to work so um mm. pretty dope uh 
making again like making more connections it's like what this stage of my career really is is one getting good at building product and then two building the network that will allow me to get to the places where i want to build product so my goal my goal starting this year was at the end of this year or in the first like three months of 2021 is getting a job at like a big tech company uh so like spotify stripe apple uh uber places like that so uh i think uh, i think i'm on my way I'm, i'm curious to see how all of the coronavirus shutdown all that kind of stuff changes things um I think it'll be a, a net good for my career. I think people now more than ever are like, oh yeah, the internet, everything on the internet needs to be really good and really easy to use and more things need to be digitized and streamlined. So hopefully that means more opportunity. Um, and it might mean that I can just like work for some of the biggest companies in the world, wherever in the world that I want to be. So okay. I think that's the future. Speaking of making our lives simpler, did you see the new Apple releases for iOS 14? I'm very excited about them. Me too. I watched it. I watched uh, like an abridged version of the keynote today. Um, And I was like, like, that's like redesigning an operating system for Apple is like, that's the team that I want to be on. Like I want to be on the team that's working on iOS 16 and yeah figuring out okay we're gonna do how do we change how do we upgrade messages in ios like that's the type of projects that i want to work on there's some really cool rollouts like i'm really like the simple stuff that i'm really excited for is like if i'm in the middle of something and a call comes in and it's just a badge at the top versus like taking over my entire screen yeah because too many times you're just like losing your place or whatever. And you're like, oh, I just need five. Like, I'll call you right back instead. But like. Yeah. And I'd like, I, I'm excited about the widgets, especially for my iPad. Yeah. Um, I love my iPad. So having like widgets and stuff like that is really cool. I've been thinking about getting a watch, like an Apple watch for a while. And some of the new like fitness and sleep tracker stuff with the watch is like, very enticing to me too or for someone like you who loves that idea of like experience like the idea of like people being able to customize faces and then being able to promote them and other people can download them if they like what you've done like how fun for you to be able to play with that and like potentially explore some different like creating personas and then building out faces based off personas and then offering those for people to download like so cool yeah Super like that's a it's a really good point to the um just like that that could be like a fun little like almost like a little gimmicky but a fun little thing like for your portfolio site right of like yeah hey check out my watch face um the other thing I thought was really interesting was the uh what's it called the um app I think it was like uh app stick stickers or something like that oh you're calling about um or you do the like you scan a qr code and it gives you a preview of the app hold on which is really cool app cards app cards yeah yeah i'm excited for that i think um 
I liked the feet. So I'll be curious, like, so in New York, we really use like Seamless, which is also like Grubhub and other yep. places, depending like where it is. And like, we rely on that, but like they're integrating like a snap card or like an app card with like your, like their maps. Yep. So like if you wanted to like click on a restaurant, like potentially order from an app card, which would potentially cut Seamless out. But yeah. I'll be curious because a lot of people have already left maps. Like they use Google maps or like other things like, yep. will people go back or have they already adapted and done something else and they're not interested in going back anymore? Like, I don't know. It'll be yeah, curious to see how cost is. people respond to it, even though they're working on making it better. Like and they're, they're implementing uh, bike directions. Which is the only reason why I use Google maps instead of regular, Apple Maps because they don't have the bikes. Oh, interesting. Like options right now. And I didn't know that Google, Google Maps. Did. Yeah. So, like, you can do, like, when I bike from here to Midtown, yep. when I do it, I'll only get roads with a designated bike lane right now on Google Maps. Oh, cool. So. Um, so, back to food delivery. I've been, like, thinking about this recently. Um, because a lot of these food delivery services like don't they don't make money like they're unprofitable businesses right like doordash grubhub like they're struggling to make a profit yeah right Mm -hmm. what if instead of having it be a third-party service if you just sold the delivery software into the restaurants as a software product that integrates with their point of sale. So like, like just like Square almost. Yeah. And then you just, and then DoorDash just sells their, um, their app, an API, you do an API connection to Square or whatever the POS mm-hmm. system is. And then the restaurants can use that delivery service that's, but you cut out having to have DoorDash makes money just as being a software product versus the gig economy and hiring drivers and things like that. And the restaurant can do the hiring of drivers and whatever based on the need for that specific restaurant. Yeah. I mean, if the restaurant's looking to expand like that, I think there's a, um, there's an element of ease for the restaurant to be like, Oh, I don't have to worry about hiring those people they're part of XYZ, like Uber Eats, like it's just an Uber driver, like gonna come pick it up anyway. Like, I don't know, like, I could yeah, do it in both ways. Yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a hassle of having, of being the, the restaurant too, because you have to, I guess I don't know completely how it works, but I assume you have to, you have to put your restaurant onto that app somehow, right? Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And so what is the cost of, of putting your restaurant on that? And like, do you benefit from any sort of network effect of restaurants of, well, there's other people there. So people might stumble upon your restaurant too. Like, right. Those are all things that I don't know about, but like, especially now that you can have your capacity at your restaurants is so much lower 
like if you bolstered a delivery service and integrated it so it's not a third party doing it, you can ensure quality more. You can do quality control. You could innovate on packaging and make the delivery service part of your restaurant's differentiation. No, it's true. And oftentimes, like, I feel like there's, you can take more ownership over the delivery of the restaurant, be a part of your experience versus being at the hands of a third party, potentially destroying your food on route, you know? Yeah, they can. So you have more control over your brand. Exactly. Hmm. Vertically integrated. Amen. (laughs) And so, I don't know, I was thinking about that. That might be an interesting way. Again, I don't know how, how viable it is, but that's the random things that I think about when I aimlessly walk around Minneapolis. With your XL coffee. Yeah, gotta. Um, so good. Also, just to touch back, uh, to circle back on one of the topics we talked about early on in the pod, um, the contract tracing <coughs> API is all, is in, is out. It's on, it's in your settings in your phone right now if you've updated. Stop, really? Yeah. You're do it. Um, no, I haven't updated my phone, so I don't believe I have it, but it's under, I believe it's under privacy, health, and then there should be a, tell me if that's not right, but then there should be some sort of like COVID-19 tracking. Um, COVID-19 exposure logging. There you go. Uh, so it's it's off. Yes, it's you default. cannot turn on exposure logging, exposure logging without an authorized app installed that can send exposure notifications. Oh, so they don't even have. Okay, interesting. So I have to find. I would have to download an app to then push the notifications to me, and then there's a section where I can click exposure checks. And then it requires me to sign in to see if I've actually been exposed. Like, exposed. Yeah. I might turn this on for my um, trip. Yeah, potentially. Hmm. I think uh, I think everything we've seen so far from Corona data is that it is far, 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 far less deadly than anyone thought it was going to be so yes but i think we're we're in this weird time of like people are getting sicker again like one woman caught it for the second time so like the whether or not the antibodies are a thing like when are you in the clear are you in the clear and i'm sure those cases will be more rampant and uh the fear has gone down. So people are being less careful. So it'll and are be... like 
interesting. Like in states like Texas and Arizona that kind of just like reopened quickly and now we're seeing like cases like be really rampant and like it feels as I see their numbers climb, it reminds me of like when New York was like having to find places to put people, but we're not in the desert in July. We were New York in early spring. So it was doable to put people outside. So hopefully they don't run into issues like we did. Yeah, another thing you have to, when you're looking at data, you have to be very wary of like when it says, like a couple of weeks ago I saw like, 36% 36% increase in hospitalizations in Texas, right? It's like, okay, well, a 36% increase was 500. So like, be wary of what those numbers are. And like, again, don't let clickbait yeah, scare I tactics. I, see, I think the clickbait scare tactic that I saw today was Arizona numbers quadrupled, but I still right. don't think their numbers are at anything what New York's were. No the sentiment and, just felt the same, obviously, because it's just scary. But. Yeah, and so, and again, like the reason we did all the lockdowns and things like that was that the healthcare system didn't get overwhelmed, mm-hmm. not so that we could find a cure for the virus and no one would have to worry about it. So that's still the same. Like yeah. until until hospitals start to get overrun, things are going to start to slowly open back up because all of our institutions, all of our governmental institutions and health institutions that are supposed to provide us with real non-politicized data have completely lost all of their validity and trust from most of the population. When the CDC says, don't wear a mask and then wear a mask and then well, don't wear a mask. Well then, but maybe you should wear a mask, but then maybe you should only wear a mask if you're treating a COVID patient, but you should also wear one inside. And so now you should, now your mask should have three layers. Oh, maybe just actually any mask is fine. Actually, maybe three layers again, just yeah. be safe. Or the World Health Organization when they were like, uh, they came out and said that, what do they say? Oh, asymptomatic spread is very, very, very uncommon. And then they had to walk that back into like, no, it is, it's scary. Don't you, asymptomatic spreads a real thing. And then, uh, well, you can't, it doesn't live on surfaces very long. You can't get it from like touching something that someone else who had it touched. It's just like, we can't get any like good data from the government. And now you have people like Mayor Bill de Blasio telling contract tracers to not ask He's telling contract tracers, do not ask people if they have gone to a protest in the last couple of weeks, even if they're sick. Yeah, dude. Great idea. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> um, not a perfect system, that's for sure. It's uh, Every- highly frustrating. 100%. I think we're also... You know, I think we're seeing people who are just like normalizing it. So I think once we start to reopen and things are happening, like there'll be some sense of normal, but it'll be, I'm curious like kind of how the employment space will shift in terms of like work from home policies and things like that, like the larger cultural shifts at bay. Yeah, like that stuff will change, but um I mean, this will just turn into, my prediction is that this just turns into something just like, uh, 
any other sickness that kills people. It's like it kills people more than it kill than the flu does, more than pneumonia does, etc. But you know, it's something that's that's out there that if you get it, it might kill you. You might be sick for a while, and you might be fine. You'll probably yeah. more than likely a vast vast majority of people are just fine after they get it. It'll be interesting. Be something that we gotta we just live with. Yeah, my mom's like she's like. And she's like, I'm convinced it's just going to disappear and no one will really understand where it went. It'll just be a part of what our history. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't put it past it. Like, it's already been like a, a weird-ass time. Like, why not make it weirder and just let it like... Yep, evaporate into the abyss. Exactly. The, uh, yeah. The scary thing is like, what happens when we have like a real plague? <laughs> <laughs> What happens when, like, the super bug actually hits? When you had, like, you thought this is the typhoon, but it was just, like, a ripple in the water. Yeah, exactly. This was, like... That's the stuff that would keep you up at night. Yeah. It's, uh... Who knows? I mean, I feel like whatever... Like, 2020, we've had this, like, insane year. I feel like the next time this all comes around, there'll be, like, a real, like... I don't want to say a real pandemic because this was a real pandemic, but a real deadly, deadly pandemic that actually is just like killing people just left and right. And then that same year, like Yosemite will blow and uh, like the big one will come in California and like the coast, like slip off into the ocean. Like, it's like, like that's (laughs) those like the next insane things that are on our horizon for, the insanity i think uh, we can't even fathom what's next on mother earth's plate and then the aliens will show up or they'll yeah. turn off this they'll turn off the simulation and be like okay you guys you guys are done soon and well for you you guys you guys are done um new york also voted today voted what primaries I mean, primaries are pretty much over, right? Oh, 100%. But still valid to do, I guess. Because you're still sending people to the convention or whatever to, like, push on your behalf or whatever. Gotcha. And you got to get people in the, in the mindset to get ready for the big kahuna in November. So. Yeah, the big kahuna between two of the worst presidential candidates to ever walk the earth. It's, uh... It's unfortunate that we uh, we've been stuck in this little rut of I'm not I don't sure I'm not sure I won either of them, you know. That's I'm, I'm definitely sure. Themselves. I'm definitely sure that I don't want either of them. There's no like maybe I don't want one of them. It's I 1,000 percent do not want either of these people to be president. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt in 2016 too. Yeah. I mean, in 2016, I was, <clears throat> I was like, if it has to be Donald Trump, it has to be Donald Trump. Uh, but there and was, was no way. Time, like, if it has to be Hillary Clinton, it has to be Hillary Clinton. There was no way I was going to vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for Donald either, but I was. there's no way I was going to vote for Clinton. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people like that who just like... Um, there's a, do you know who Hassan Minaj is? Mm-mm. He's a stand-up comedian. He has a show on Netflix called The Patriot Act. And uh, 
he had a there's a a pretty decent episode <clears throat> this week um about how the way we vote is broken and oh, i know uh, i know who this is yeah. yeah 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 so his his show on uh on netflix is is pretty good but uh yeah he said in that he said 57% of americans want a third party but the way that the way that it's set up like we can't it does like having a third party doesn't work because of the way everything is structured and the way that people talk about voting third party if you tell someone you're voting independent they're like fuck you you're throwing away your vote oh i know i feel like so many people are like it's like people will consider like the third party whatever but like too many people are like it's ingrained it's either one or the other there's no one else to consider which is so stupid (laughs) yeah like be open to your options yeah because when when we continue to do the things we do have been doing we get to horrendous candidates right and that's like there's cool parts where it's like there are other countries where like the green party does like a lot of cool stuff and they're like there's sustainable driven like cultures and things like that where it's like here it's just like heads or tails (laughs) yeah it's well yeah it's like they're they're becoming the antithesis of each other right like it's Mm -hmm. which is really shitty it is and i think that but maybe that corners us into forcing a different type of change allowing for something else like that would be a whole systematic revision but like i don't know could it happen never say never yeah, I mean, you just need, like, honestly, you need someone like Mark Cuban to run. Yeah, you need someone totally that's... Right, someone like, who I'm runs as an independent, runs as an independent, traction. who's rich, who doesn't need to take money from other people, who will run outside of the two parties, mm-hmm. and who, I mean, regardless of, I don't have any idea what any of his, like, social justice policies or anything like that would be, but... He's a president. He would be a president who understands how technology works and understands the future of computing and the way the digital economy is going to continue to disrupt and change the way the world works and the future of robotics and things like that, which America doesn't invest in at all. Yeah, we need someone who's like, both concerned about fixing and forward thinking not like too many of our candidates are reactive being like oh i'm just going to react to what the public wants and here's some new ideas but it's going to get clouded by trying to fix all this stuff when really we need someone to come in being like this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and this is how i'm going to fix it versus being like i know what you're looking for and this is my thought you know like it's just going to be I don't know. It's really interesting. Well, I, and we I have... feel like it's also moving into the next election, 2024. I feel like we're going to have enough Gen Zers in the pool of like 
voting that is going to be excited about change. Right now, you have so many people who are like historically like left or right, just like conservative about their ideas in terms of how much change they want. And I think there's one that younger group is going to be a really a powerhouse in terms of voting. Yeah, and I, I mean. Unfortunately, like what we have is a bunch of people who, like you said, are reactionary, but then they're like, oh, like we need to make change. We need to make change. But all of these people have fucking been in politics since 1980. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, it's everything's so obvious that we need to change so much that it took you 30 years to decide that you need to do it. Right. So... Um, you know, do you think we're going to see them debate at all? I mean, I think, I think they should. I don't think it's going to be, it's going to be very, it would be very bad for Joe Biden to do that. It's so funny because it's like, today I saw this post about this, um, these two individual musicians who played for an entire um, like concert hall full of plants. Okay. And I was like, you know what? That would be, this feels like what the um, presidential debates would look like right now. Like it wouldn't have anybody in there. It would literally just be like a concert, this like, yeah empty seats and you're just like there to talk on the topics but then there's no reactions from the audience it's just gonna be quiet but like knowing how fatigued i got from watching hillary and donald like go back to back and forth like i'm not necessarily anticipating anything to come because i think there are people are too scared to make it happen but i don't know like you know we're only we're about to hit july next week that means we're only like four and a half months yeah away i don't know it's just kind of crazy to me to think that like it could all be like we could reach november and not have a single debate between the two finalists yeah because here's the thing right if they debate if they do a long-form debate the way our media works is those they get chopped up and put out as one minute clips. Yeah. Right? On Instagram and Twitter. And the one minute clips that the Donald would have would be him just making fun of Joe Biden. And the one minute clips of Joe Biden would him be him stumbling to find the right words to say. Mm-hmm. And then there's okay. your message is do we have a president who is on the attack and go, go, go. Or do we have a president who literally can't find words to say? Uh, depending on which, um, which Instagram account will define which ones you get. That is exactly correct. Um, okay. The podcast I listened to today had, <laughs> I mean, they're very upfront. One of the guys was like, uh, you know, who Joe Biden's running mate will be, will be very important because more than likely that person will be the president in two to three years. 
What was their reasoning? Because he's dying? Because he's like very quite clearly mentally, cognitively declining. Oh no. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he chooses. Yeah. The other thing that they said on this podcast that I thought was good, the podcast is it's all, it's the all in podcast. Like I said, there's four episodes. You have to like be very diligent about searching for it. So you have to do all A-L-L dash I-N podcast. Um, but okay. it's really good. Um, and uh, the other guy was like, if, <clears throat> if Biden wants to win, what they should do is when they announce his running mate, they should also announce like four or five, six people that will be in his cabinet predetermined and then sit them down and have round tables and talk about what their plans will be, what they're going to try and do, because then you can get votes based on the people around him and what their plan is versus just Joe Biden. If that were the case, I think it would be their party's greatest strength because there was so many people competing for so long and so many people love so many different people that like now you're getting a team together and you're saying right. like, look at how we're going to cohesively do this. Yeah. They called it the Avengers model, which I thought was funny. I love that idea a lot. So. Hmm. We'll see. You know what I'm most excited for? What? Uh, things to be going on in the world so that there's more to talk about than just fucking politics. Agreed. Because there's nothing else happening. Politics have become like the spectator sport of America. And there's just... That's about it. Pretty much that's all that's going on. Black Lives Matter is still very much going on. And that's... But I mean, like, that's politics, right? Yeah. I mean, it depends on your party generally defines your viewpoint on it. If that's what you're, if that's what you mean. I think I mean, it's even, right. even the things within black lives matter is political. There's some people who want to abolish the police. There's some people who want police reform. There's some people who want X or some people who want Y it's not necessarily. Uh, a complete you're not talking y. about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. Agreed. And I, um, yeah, I didn't mean can all conservative people are against Black Lives Matter. That's like right. not what I meant at all. But um, I will be, there's increasing pressure for the Breonna Taylor case to come to some sort of solution. And I am surprised that with all the national unrest regarding her particular murder, that there's still just, there's not even any communication regarding like, if there's a, like I've seen multiple things saying like, they can't make this decision because X, Y, Z, but it's like, it doesn't feel like it totally all makes sense. And it just feels like they're just waiting for it to die down when I just don't think, I think the claws have already sunk in and I don't think anyone's letting go of her case. And I'll be really curious to see how that um, resolves itself. Yeah, like, well, I mean, and this is, again, where it comes to politics and essentially you have the right, the left, and then you have the people, right? Because people are applying social pressure. But uh, 
the, and I just sent you this podcast I listened to today because they talk about all this stuff and it's, they're far more intelligent than I am. Um, and so, but they talk about the reason that like police have gone unchecked for so long is because police aren't just police, they're police unions and the left loves unions and the right likes police. And so police mm-hmm. unions, unions have become an untouchable place because <clears throat> even if police are overstepping, well, the Democrats don't want to fuck with unions because that's a huge part of the Democratic Party. And right. the Republicans don't want to talk about changing the police because they're, uh, to use Donald Trump's words, law and order. So right. uh, that's, and here we are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think. Can I tell you what I don't? What I am almost a thousand percent positive is not the answer. What is the free state of Chaz that's happening in Seattle? Can almost guarantee you that that is not the answer. What is that? I haven't even heard of this. Oh boy, it's the most hilarious social experiment ever that was conducted by the far left, the far far left. So. After, during protests in Seattle, they blocked off six blocks in Seattle and called it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And no police are let in. Uh, and it, it was gonna be a, this, this is the new world. This is anti-police, anti-government, anti-establishment, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, this is where it gets funny, is the first thing they did was construct a wall around the six block area. Uh, They checked everyone's IDs and interviewed them before they could come in. Uh, And then there was a a guy who uh, essentially started policing the area with armed guards and carrying assault rifles and walking around. And they are, uh, they're not the police, they are officials who enforce the rules. It's, uh, it's been an interesting thing to, to see. They started extorting businesses and people. Like if you wanted to live there, you had to pay the free state of jazz or chop, I think is the other, the name for yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say chop is, it's as, um, one stone is chaz, now chop. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. What if you happen to just like live in that zone and you didn't even want to be a part of that? Yeah, it's an issue. Um, And I guess there's been like a lot of some of the unrest, I guess, has started to spark up. Uh, I think someone someone died inside of CHOP this week, if I read that right. Um, But they won't let the police come anywhere near it. That's bizarre. There's Uh, a deadly shooting in Seattle's CHOP zone. Dang. It's a... You know, Google it, read about it, watch some YouTube videos, go on Instagram and see the Instagram lives of people trying to walk through, uh, people trying to walk through with an American flag and people try to rip it out of their hands and, and burn the American flag because it's a symbol of the male patriarchy, white supremacist colonizers who stole this land to build America. It's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, this actually reminds me, when I started the White Fragility book today, 
And like, you know, the whole premise of the book is like why white people are like nervous to talk about race. And they were talking about how like this country was started under the premise of all men and women are created equal when our nation was founded. And yet we began with like the siege of land of indigenous people and push people out and murder and all these things. And it was like, kind of was, it like began with this idea of like all men and women that look like us. You know, it was like, we're all created equal. It was interesting, just this idea of like how they kind of start the book in terms of like. But I think this whole like, this whole new idea that uh, like, the colonialist mindset or like colonizers are criminals like i don't you cannot apply a contemporary lens of morality to four or five hundred years ago right because you can't like okay do we have a problem with the roman empire should we cancel italy and rome because it was because they stole land from people Mm -hmm. that's how there was when when columbus came to what we now know as the Americas he thought he was in India because they didn't even know that the Americas existed Mm -hmm. the Western civilizations didn't know that there was a giant massive land between India and Europe right and so to now say that like well this land doesn't belong to them because they stole it like sure I like I, I understand where that argument comes from but the time period in which that occurred is the time period in which people warred to gain land and take over and stake their claim. It's not like, it, it's, it's a lot different than if like Minnesota was like, you know what, fuck all you Wisconsinites. Wisconsin is Minnesota now. Like, right, like it's not the same thing. No, and I also think there, you know, there was this idea of like, you know, no one's going to deny that America doesn't have problems. But the one reason that I always go back to is like, we were, you know, like, we are a country that was founded like for the people. We wanted to escape a monarchy. We wanted to escape these escaping religious prosecution right and like there i i don't know like i i'm trying to unpack it as somebody who has privilege so i think i'm like in the process of navigating it but like i understand where people's arguments lie but just in the same sense of like we can't apply like modern lenses on ideas to like like we always we're like we pick apart so many things all the time in terms of like truth or false or what was the hidden meaning here and then yet like the bible can't be viewed in the same lens because then all of a sudden you're you're coming at it and attacking a religious text but the reality is it's text it's a written book like we do this for every other types of reading and then you know like there's so many things that are at you know you can't you can't take everything that you're reading in that piece and and directly apply it to today's culture and today's mindset and take it verbatim as to what it was how it was written and how it would apply today like there's so many other cultural contexts that you're missing based off how it was written so like there's so much at play all the time that i agree with you like you can't we can't view it through the lens that we have 
today, like in this contemporary viewpoint, but I, there are learnings to come from it, from like why, what happened and why certain things are happening, just like we should be viewing like other texts and other things that are so, that guide so many people's viewpoints. Like, you know, some people like their whole political viewpoints are staked on religion when there is supposed to be a separation of church and state. And like, it's become this big blend in terms of how everyone is viewing the world because they're prioritizing in their own life and that's created their own lens on how they're you know attacking or perceiving issues in the world and i think we're all we're people, caught up in opinion and it's uh we're all caught up in opinion and everyone is trying to they are they're subscribing their personal identity to the group that they think they belong to and they're yeah. identifying themselves as part of a group versus as an individual. Which is why an extra party would be so valuable or other, part, other parties where people could take like the elements that are important to them and then shape and like create change through in culture through not just blue or red, but there's other parties that could be more prevalent. And I think, I, I mean, even just like, outside of political parties of like define yourself as an individual not as the the group that you wish to be defined as because once you start to try to define everything everyone as a group then you say well okay well then you get like the hierarchy of victimization right of well um white people are not victims compared to black people um, but like uh, a black man isn't as victimized as a black trans woman, mm -hmm. right? And we have, there's, there gets to be this hierarchy of where do you fall on the victim scale or on the oppression scale, whatever you want to call it. And then everyone starts to ascribe themselves to those groups versus like, I am an individual and I have viewpoints that fall into multiple groups. And I'm an individual and I fall into these different groups. And then you have overlap in conversation and give and take. And that's how you push things forward versus moving into this group think hive mind. We get cancel culture. Yeah. You get a lot of people today let attributes of themselves define them instead of complement their identity. Exactly. Like there's so many people who are like, I'm a conservative and, or like whatever. And that's like, that is who I am. And that's my identity. No, that's one part of who you are. And that like, that complements other things that you're doing or like in like my community or like LGBTQ, like some people will like push the rainbow flag and be like, I am queer. And like, this is who I am. And it's like, no, like you're a queer person, like in society, and like, I'm not gonna like downplay like anyone who wants to be proud in that space because like you should be, but you can't also let that define you because it's only like one awesome aspect of like who you are. And like, so all these things people like, you know, they, they give so many, so much of this stuff as weight and they think they let these communities they belong to define them when really they should be defined by the communities that they belong to. If I'm, it's like it's the inverse yeah you're right it's the opposite of what it should it's, be it's yeah yeah 
Exactly. The communities that you belong to as a whole, the group of all of the things yes. makes you, you are not one of the groups. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And so, and like, and we're, this is what we're starting to see, right? This is starting to happen more and more where everybody is just a group. Everyone's a group. Everyone's a group. So um, all cops are bad. Uh, all, all Republicans are racists. All Democrats are snowflakes. All, you know, and that's how we get to this area of hyperpolarization. And we can't any longer have any sort of conversation or civil discourse that we need to move forward past these issues. And then if it gets going further and further down this road, it gets really scary. Like this is the type of stuff that happened in Mao's China of you were because of, I ascribe you to be part of this group. This group did these things. So you must repent, you must repent. You must be responsible. You must apologize for the things that your group did, regardless of if you were involved or not, mm -hmm. but we're going, you have to repay you have to pay the price for the group that I ascribe you to versus, hey, you're an individual. I think there's, there's too much of, if you're not with me or against me. I always, when, sorry, just to jump in, but I always found that the most ironic thing because I saw that the most from like very liberal, honestly, like reporters and journalists and musicians right after the 2016 election where it's like if you voted for trump fuck you you're not my fan like blah 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 and then they'd tweet that out and then the next tweet would be our country's so divided like why is everything so divisive it's like well you just told everyone who didn't vote the way you wanted them to to fuck off and not be your fan like that's pretty divisive too bud mm -hmm. i agree i think there's I um, I get my my viewpoint on this is unpopular in my community only because I know plenty of people who voted for Trump that are like close to me who fell under his rhetoric because they were sick of not being represented and his whole thing was draining the swamp, right? Yep. That being said, I wasn't gonna be like one. These people like confided in me like I voted this way and one. Like some, a lot of them were like, I'm not proud of it. And this is, I fell under, like I fell for the trap and this isn't what I wanted. But two, I'm not going to be the person who says, um, because you voted that way, you voted against me. Like, because generally in conservative culture, like LGBTQ people are like oppressed and like they're not viewed as equals because I know those same people would vote in my favor for other equality measures. You know, like right. that one vote, you know, I think there are other things that were at play that people were voting for versus the, like you still, like you had a president win, but then yet the Senate flipped. So there were people who were voting for like potentially senators in their area that they really loved, but they didn't like the president. They didn't. They voted for a, one president, but they voted for other senators. Like it wasn't all That's just the one be. or the other, right? Like yeah. you're trying to mix the people at the table so that you have conflicting viewpoints to come to a resolution and to balance and jump ideas off each other, not just one way or the highway. And I think hopefully, as 
I don't know. Like, and that's why my biggest worry is now we're at this point, like you said, like cancel culture where it's like so many people are like, it's either my way or not at all. And so like you have to either part of the movement or you're not. And I don't, I think people have to be far more, more open-minded and work on the elements that the good things that are coming from this, like the opportunity to educate other people and have these open conversations about things that they haven't had opportunities before. People are listening. There's, real movement and traction with that right now. And I think that's the positive things that we have to focus on and allow for you to shine your educated opinion in a space that might not have been receptive before, but now you have an opportunity. And whether or not you're successful is another conversation, but these are the conversations we should have always been able to have. And now there's a space for it. Yeah, and you have to, like, you have to give people room to grow and and if they don't aren't receptive right away don't shut them down like learn how that learn how they might be more receptive like understand a communication style that's going to be effective for their learning style like figure out that the way that you're presenting the information might not be suitable for that individual and figure out a way to tailor the information correctly because everyone's going to perceive and receive things differently and you have to be accommodating and it's not a one and done conversation it's a constant fight and it's it's figuring out too like what are their life experiences yeah why do why do they think what they think why do they believe what they believe in exactly because just because and this is again the problem with everyone everyone having opinion everyone thinks that their opinion is objective truth yeah. Or their their lived experience is objective truth when it's it's not. Your perception of the way things have happened in your life may not be the objective truth of how things happened. It's right? true. We and have so, to think about everyone if you're coming to the table and you're saying, Why can't you think like me? You either have a privilege of mental clarity around a situation or you've been privileged enough not to go through a situation like this individual has, has had in their past that's defining the way that they're approaching something else. So like you have and, and it's so a, many things that are at play. And it goes both ways, right? Like, yeah. well, you could never, you don't get it. You don't get my perspective because you're privileged and you haven't had to ha- have my life experiences, but you can't be mad at someone for not having for not seeing your side if you get mad at them without trying to see their side. Mm-hmm. You have to trade shoes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we all are created equal and you need to do your best to see everyone as such. Like there's no room for you to think lesser of anyone based off of anyone's lived experience. Like we we all deserve the same opportunity regardless. And treat everyone as an individual, not as the group that they want to ascribe themselves to or the group that you want to place them in. Yeah. Everyone's an individual. If you see a cop, doesn't mean he's trying to do anything bad more than like he's trying to do good so don't just be like oh you racist pig because he's a cop that's it it blows my mind that people can't see that that like 
there's so many people that I know that are cops who literally signed up because they're like, I just want to make my community safe. And they went back to their hometowns and they were like, this is the place that I want to be a part of. And they like have good intentions from the start. There's some people who are in that line of work that's dangerous to like be a, like somebody in society that can make things safer. And I think it's, it's hard because you have some bad eggs that really like colored the rest of like the conversation. But like, I think it's, I think really like there's a lot of reform that needs to happen. There's a lot of new training that needs to happen, but like, I agree. The system needs to change and no one's arguing differently. And I think we're at that breaking point, but I just find it to be this, the same thing. It's the cancel culture where it's like, well, that's not working anymore. Everyone's canceled. And it's like, that's not the answer either. We have to find a middle ground. Cancel culture will come for everyone. Yep. Especially like when you don't, and I think it's interesting because we live in a society where people are so afraid to be wrong because of cancel culture. But if you want to progress, you have to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Like come back and listen to this podcast in five years and half the things that we talk about will be wrong and will be looked on as like, well, that was stupid. They shouldn't have said that, or they were completely wrong. That didn't happen at all, whatever. Right. But you have to give the room for people to be wrong in order to have any sort of idea to have, any sort of interesting conversation, you have to risk being wrong. Yeah, and I think you have to, you have to be willing to put your opinions out there and be vulnerable in order to either learn or just start a conversation that might not have originally been on the table to have. So there's a lot at stake and people are, people have to be open to, understanding both sides they have to be yeah both sides individuals not groups but if you're gonna come in and promote hate you need to do a lot of (laughs) i'm thinking of some extreme examples where like there's really no way of moving that mountain and those people need more help than you'll probably ever be able to give them. So just pray for them. (laughs) I don't know. Because that's the other part is you have to be willing to look at the other side. And if you're going to be fronted, if you're going to be met with somebody who's literally not interested in ever seeing your viewpoint and understanding you or hearing you, or, you know, like there'll be people in my life who will, I will come across who will never give me a chance because I am like a walking sin and like whatever. But, like, that doesn't bother me because I need to be the better person and I'm going to walk away from it knowing that they just don't understand. But the and reality not, is... Sorry, but it's also, that's not, it's not a personal attack on you. No, exactly. I have to separate myself from that one part of that... Uh, Their ideology. That, exactly, of of one subset of what I, of who I am. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I think that's like the, that's the hard part. It's like, we all, we take things 
so personally and so quickly. And now it's moving into a space where like, you're not gonna find everyone that's always gonna be willing to listen. And if that's the case, then like move on to somebody else that is willing to make change and just and, have a conversation so that hopefully you can also learn from them too. And be willing to make change yourself. Yep. Because all of this is super hypocritical if you just say like, everyone needs to listen to me and listen to my ideas because I feel that they're right without, it doesn't work if you also don't say, okay, let me listen to your ideas and I'm willing to be wrong. Yeah, and challenge them. Like, have the tough conversations. Like, that's like, this like freedom of speech, like one of the beauty, beautiful parts about like this, like the United States is like, like I can like tweet at, at our president and be like, I don't agree with what you're saying and I have no fears because I'm not breaking any laws. Like there's a lot of good things that are like built into the foundations of this country and do protect everyone that is a citizen here. So utilize the powers that are given to us and like have the tough conversations and hopefully you learn something from somebody that you may not normally have a conversation with. And really quick, because we were on this whole idea of like, what makes you who you are and things like that. Like just as last week, or I think it was just this last week, the Supreme Court ruled twice in favor of both like the LGBTQ community in like a surprising like six to three for them not to be discriminated. Like you can't be fired for being queer, um, but from your boss, like that's like covered under law. And those two people who voted in favor are traditionally conservative. And it's because it's not, it's, not because all of who you are. It's exactly. if you have to like analyze, you have to analyze like what's going on and like understand context and like vote based off of like the way the law is written and how you see everything that's going on. And I think there, we're seeing some really positive things come out of the courts right now that are breaking traditional party lines and people are listening to the this situation as a whole and voting on their opinion again of what the law upholds to uh to sum it up um you are allowed to have an opinion and that opinion might cross party lines and that is not a bad thing and also your opinion and your perception is not objective truth the way you perceive something isn't the same way someone else will perceive something and that doesn't make them wrong and you right or you wrong and them right. Correct. And lastly, stay safe, wash your hands, don't do anything stupid, be safe. I think I started with that one. You did, You'd be safe twice. You gotta, you really gotta be safe out there. Awesome, dude, good to see you. It was, uh, we had Good's a week too. off, we didn't really talk, so. We just did like two episodes in one, so. Yeah, and now uh, I'm gonna go do another podcast, actually. Nice. So. I'm gonna go to the only room with air conditioning in this apartment. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. <laughs>
Alright. Talk to you later. See you later.